Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. So welcome to church. As you know, we've been talking about this theme, Awaken, and um, two Sundays ago, I preached a message called Wake Up, It's Time to Pray. Last Sunday, Pastor KA preached a message called Wake Up, The Word. Tonight, I'm preaching, it's on the screen, a message called Wake Up, Walk in Love. Our, um, our season that we're in is from Ephesians, and I'm going to read from Ephesians. I'm going to go to chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, Ephesians. Are you ready? It says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in... Walk in what? As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma... Verse 1 again, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Who's happy to be an imitator? Who's happy to be an imitation, a knockoff? Are you okay with that? I feel like I was challenged this week as this idea of being like an imitation of Christ, like an, an imitator, like a... Have you ever brought any imitation goods? Anyone? Dan's like the king of it at Highway. Don't think we're paying him too much as a youth pastor. Just know that some of those shoes might not be as legit as they look. <laughs> we've all had things where we've brought knockoffs, haven't we? I remember one time we were going overseas and we had a layover in Hong Kong and Kim and I, another couple, and we pushed our flight out. So instead of having about eight hours, we had 24 plus, that. what's that, 32 hours. We had 32 hours in Hong Kong, so we got to explore. And I remember going to the markets and being so stoked at myself because I became an official, well, an official Rolex owner, and um, what's that? Of sorts. <laughs> and if you know me, like sometimes some of my jokes last a little bit longer than they should, um, and that's me being vulnerable with you this evening. So for the rest of <laughs> that's not the moment, amen, Dan. So. so for the rest of the trip, I was showing off this Rolex, as you can, this Folex, this fake Rolex. The rest of the trip, like, oh, what's the time you're on these ones? And yeah, you know, us Rolex owners, you know, that, that statement way too many times. And they were laughing for a point and then they got really sick of it. But I felt such, so legit until we checked into our hotel and the, the bag boy, the guy, the concierge, has the same <laughs> exact watch that I was wearing. I'm like, oh. My pride got deflated pretty fast then. I thought I went from making it in life to just a pleb with a fake Rolex again. But I was okay that it wasn't the real thing. Why? Because I didn't pay as much for it. It didn't put me off wanting a Rolex or a good quality watch. It was okay because I got what I paid for. Sometimes I think we have this fear that if we are imitators of Christ and we're not perfect, that we're going to put people off. But could I challenge that idea this evening? Could I say that sometimes it's in our imitation, sometimes it's in our vulnerability, sometimes it's in us not pretending like we have it all together, but sometimes showing our limitations and our imitations that actually draws people closer to God. I think that sometimes when we put on a facade, it's, it's like no one can measure up and no one fits because we perceive ourselves or we put up an image that we're perfect and really we're human. We're imitators, and that's okay. We've all brought fake sneakers that look good, and 
till your feet really start to hurt. We've probably all had a few of those, the seams let go. I remember one time Kim and I were in Bali, the first time we went, and um, we brought this bag. Was it like a Louis Vuitton bag? Or as you do, you know, like paid $10 for it on the street, you know, after heckling for about 15 minutes to save ourselves $3, you know, that sort of story as you do. And um, we had the night flight fly out at 11 p.m. and we're dragging the thing and the handle snapped on the way to the airport before we even got out of the country. Like, we've all been there, I think, and we've all been there. I remember Pastor Don, I was with Pastor Don in Auckland and we got to test drive a Tesla together, which was a pretty cool story as, you know, Pastor Don McDonnell, who does crazy things that he does and we're in this Tesla and we're like, oh, cool, what are this, these seats? These leather seats are nice. And the guy's like, yeah, that's vegan leather. It's like, what do you mean vegan leather? That's imitation leather in like a $300,000 car. Are you serious? That's the thing. Imitations, they're, they're everywhere. And, but it's funny that Paul encourages us to be imitators of God as dear children. It's not the same and that's okay. I think there's freedom in knowing that we are not God. You are not Christ, and we are not the Messiah, and that is okay. We simply carry and identify with his name. In our strength, in my strength, I cannot save anyone. In my own abilities, I can't heal anyone. What I said, in my own abilities, I cannot heal anyone. But what we can do in our own strength and what I think our obligation is, is that we would point people to him. That we would create an awareness in others of him. It's okay to have problems. Weaknesses are okay, but there comes a time when we mature where we need to own them. I call this the power of vulnerability. Sometimes we can't go beyond or sometimes we can't grow beyond until we own our limitations. I think a key of it is the second part of the verse here. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. This is childlike faith. Many of you know our son Jethro, and I'm so proud when he copies me. Is there any parents like that? And um, it's not always good, but sometimes he walks around and like, he does this thing where like, he has the worst posture in the world. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, where the heck does he get that from? And Kim's like, he looks exactly like you. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, Jethro like, sometimes walks in there and he's like, Lewis is like, I'm like, Jethro, why are you walking like that? And Kim's like, that's you. Like, walking around like that and moping around all the time. Like, oh, ouch. But there's things that he imitates of me that makes me proud, and there's things that make me worried. Like, for example, sometimes, like, as any child, we'll have to talk to him and discipline him or talk about some things that, behaviors that need adjustment or things that need a change, and, and that's good until he wants to imitate me and speak like that to mum. And then we've got issues, don't we? Because he's not allowed to get me in trouble. He's not allowed to get my wife, his mum, in trouble. He's not the parent, but also we aren't God. There's things we should imitate, and there's things we aren't meant to. When we lose our childlikeness, when we lose our childlike faith, when we lose our vulnerability, we become, it's inevitable, we become a judgmental church. And my greatest fear is that we become a Christianity that's obsolete. 
When we portray an image of perfection that no one can attain, we're not even attaining it. When we do that, we have huge issues because the gap and the chasm becomes far too wide and we're fighting for this on this side and the world is here and the two are never going to meet. Could we take the first step, church, to bridge the divide, to bridge the gap? Theodore Roosevelt says, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. If we are to imitate God, we need to know what he is. Would you agree? Exodus puts this really well, 34.6. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 103 verse 8, The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Our job is not to judge our world. Would our world know the character of God through our imitation? Our job is simply to walk in love. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that love seems to have this ability to break down barriers? To be able to get to the real conversations? Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also has given us, sorry, has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love. This word love is the agape love. That's the unconditional one. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry to be the bearer of bad news because that's hard. Have you tried unconditionally loving someone before? Man, I'm really good at conditional love. Like if the kitchen's clean, I'm in love. If dinner's, no, I'm not going there because I'll... We're so good at conditional love but not so good at unconditional love. This love is unconditional, it's universal, it transcends and persists regardless of circumstance. It goes beyond emotion. It seeks the best for others, not just for self. This is the love. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us. It's a lot easier to give when we realize it was first given to us. 1 John 4, 19. We love because we're really good people. Is that what it says? We love because... It's my job and I have to do it. It's my cross. No, we love because he first loved us. When we understand that this agape love, that that this love was given to us so freely through our Father and through the work of Jesus Christ, when we realize that it's okay to give it away because he first gave it to us. Have Have you noticed it's a lot easier to be generous with someone else's stuff? Have you noticed that? So many times. When things have been given to me, I don't mind lending them to other people as much. Would you agree? I don't mind it, giving people money when someone's given me money that day as well. There's been multiple times. Someone's given me a card, someone's like, oh, thank you. And then Kim's like, oh, we need to give this person. I was like, oh, lucky we've got that cash sitting there. It's like, thank you, someone who blessed us. I've blessed someone else with your money. But it didn't feel like it cost me anything. And this is, it doesn't cost us when we give the love that God gave to us. It costs us nothing. Because it was freely given, so therefore freely give. We love because he loved us first. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. A sweet-smelling aroma. Matthew 9, 13 says this, 
But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. As I was reading this Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, I was, I was wondering why it was a sweet-smelling aroma, because multiple times in the Bible I see that God didn't want sacrifice. He allowed the people to do it for a season, but it ultimately wasn't what he wanted. And then yet it seems that the sacrifice of Jesus was sweet-smelling aroma. In Psalm 51, 16, it says, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. So why did this sacrifice count? Why was Jesus different? The sacrifice was pleasing because I believe it was the sacrifice of false self. Jesus was under great pressure to take over the world. They were waiting for their promised king, the Messiah, that would rule and reign with armies and might, physically take over the holy city with power, and he didn't do it. But he sacrificed, he laid down as an ultimate sign of love. I was having a conversation with someone this week over the phone, and I was having a chat with him, and I was talking about how it blows my mind that Jesus would die. Have you thought about this? Like, really thought about it? I know we preach it, and I know we do all this all the time, but why would Jesus die? Like, why? Like, when he was on earth, he seemed to forgive people of sin everywhere he went. So, <laughs> so it's, it's not a good enough explanation to say that he just died for my sin because he already could forgive it before that. Would we agree? But, or is this that crazy, scandalous, unconditional love of God that he would allow us Humanity to do that to him so that more could believe? Is that too far? I think not. I think God is so gracious that he would allow himself to be tortured and go through this crazy death so that we could be aware. Hey, really, God? Like your word says before the foundation of the world, like my sin didn't count anymore and you would go through all this pain so that a generation could see it and they could write about it and it would be recorded in history so we could point to a moment that we would know, that we would know, that we would know, that we would know that sin was no longer the issue. I hope we know that by now. I hope we're not expecting that we need to still pay the price for our sin anymore because when we're in that, it's a dangerous place. Sometimes we want others to pay for their sins, but we don't want to ever pay for ours. We want everyone else to shout us, but we never shout anyone in return. Like I said, it was a sacrifice of false self, the power, the pride, the earthly desires, the measuring up to others' expectations or, or their standards or the social pressure of the day, what perceived success would be. I think that is what a sweet-smelling aroma is to God, and that is a sacrifice that he likes when we don't have to measure up anymore, when we can be truly free. I was telling the creative team this on Tuesday night that on my mirror in my office there, I've got this statement that I wrote up, and I wrote it up my first day back after coming after holidays this year in February and uh, start of March, actually, and it says this, the relentless pursuit of becoming everything that I've been created to be. That's my desire, the relentless pursuit of becoming everything that I was created to be. That's why we're here. You see, the old system was to make self-right, 
Remember, you'd sin and you go, okay, I did this sin, let's look it up. I mean, like a sin matrix. This is a high level risk over here. What's the consequence? Oh, I better do this sacrifice to cover my butt. Like, like really? It was to make self right, but the new system, the Jesus way is that we would make others right. That we would understand that the price has always been paid and the freedom that we have, our job is to minister the freedom to others. What would it look like if we carried that message? I think it would be very hard to argue against. Hey, there's a God and he is relentlessly pursuing you. Your sin has been paid for and he unconditionally loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you and he wants your life to be better. He wants you to relentlessly pursue who he created you to be. Nobody is denying that message. Nobody is turning away from that message. And I believe that is what Christianity is at its core. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him and you know sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Christ. He made him who knew no sin, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for a select few of very sinful people. No. For us all, sin is done. Kelly alluded to this in her worship preach. Did you hear it? She said that we might become the righteousness. We're right in him. Not in and of ourselves, but in him. Your life has value, intrinsic value. You are created in the image of God. You have something to offer our world. How can we work together so the world can be blessed because we are in it? Like I said, no one, not one person that I know is rejecting this message. But how do we partake of this? How do we become a part of this? How? I believe by walking in judgment. No. By walking in accusation. By telling people that they're nothing and that we've made it. No. No, we do this by walking in love. I said at the start, love breaks down barriers. Have you noticed? Let's look at the great love chapter. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I, could speak all the language of, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but did not love others, I would be nothing? Wow. Man, I wish my faith could move mountains. I wish I had a better gift of prophecy. I wish I could understand the secret plans of God, but if I didn't love others, I would have not a thing, nothing. I don't think we understand the power of love. Verse 3. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I've spent so much of my life sacrificing. Haven't you? And I believe that a lot of the time I've done it with the right spirit and the right heart. 
But can I encourage us? Love fulfills the law. It supersedes the law. We need to be a church. We need to be people. We need to be individuals that would walk in love. Let's scroll down a little bit further. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. What? But love will last forever? But love will last forever. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, a little bit further down. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is... And the greatest of these is... And the greatest of these is... Walk in... your arms around him and hug him, the crowd said. We haven't seen a glimpse of this. Because love goes beyond an initial hug. It goes beyond a flirtatious moment. Because love leads to true commitment. Love leads to a true desire to want the best for others, to want the very, very best for them. You've found this in your, your relationships, I hope you have, that it started off easy and it was just exciting and awesome. But then commitment came and it's like the more commitment, the deeper the love has to become. It has to become deeper. Where it goes to new levels and we want the best. Not, it's not just what I can get out of this relationship anymore. Same with our relationship for God. Yes, we're forgiven. But it can't just be that God makes my life better. It has to go deeper than that till we love God so much. That we want others to experience this. That we want to co-heir with Christ. That we want to partake in what He has for us. Not just for self, but for everyone. We can't help this message. It's like... You gotta know Kim, my wife, she's so good. She loves everybody. Get to know Kim. That's what we need to be like with our God. We're more passionate about coffee than we are about God. Oh, this filter is so good. Have you tried a magic from there? Have you? So good. The batch brew is on point. Really? 1 John 4, 7 and 8, beloved. Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, what? Does not know God. Is that heavy? <laughs> Those who do not love do not know God, for God is love. I think we need to awaken to walking in love. And I think our world will become awakened when we minister this kind of love. To walk in love is to walk in God. Therefore, <laughs> are you ready for this? Therefore, if we're not 
walking in love, are we even walking with God?